to the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns? Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know that. That's it. I'm done. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures up 17.75. NASA Futures up 51. We were down to, uh, uh, well, we were up all, all last week until Friday. We had a little bit of a correction on Friday, but uh, 1%, still were up on the week. We have Mr. Greg with us. Can you enlighten us on what we're doing here? Oh, yeah. Big trading week. Yeah, it should be. What are you, uh, um, it's going to be, uh, well, we have all kinds of news. What do you say we go through the calendar first, Greg? Just a little bit. So, are you uh, are you bullish on the Cubs now? They swept Philly, Phillies, and the Sox actually came back and won a couple of games. What's going on? Yeah, the Sox really. Uh, what was it? First and three, they won. Uh, well, they were they were down. They were only behind two games to the Guardians. I'll, I'll never get used to that. Uh, and they. Uh, Lost the first two and came back and won the second two. Thank God, because otherwise, you can't. If they'd have lost four in a row, they'd have been kind of skunked. But uh, they did not. They, they righted the ship and came back. And uh, the Cubs are uh, for for a young team. They're starting to play halfway decent. A couple of the pitchers that they thought they had all year that are back is, are helping some. Plus the Phillies, I don't think are all that good. But uh, anyway, the funny economy- watching the White Sox fans on Twitter and Instagram. They, it's it's like uh, the markets and that it really follows the past performance of maybe the three games or four games you know and, uh, <laughs> the coach is, is a big loser every time they lose and, oh, yeah. then, and then when they win it's never enough um, how far north do you live from me You're I'm a- like uh, 5,000 north so e. 30 blocks what are you doing up there just saying yeah Cheaper to own than to rent up there. Um, yeah, well, you know, guys like you that own a whole block, you know, big-time traders. Uh, I mean, in college and stuff, we were in Lincoln Park and Lakeview, and that was a lot of fun. And then I started thinking about, you know, that's a lot in rent over the past four years or oh, whatever. Yeah. So you start moving north, and then uh, it equalizes at some point, I think, somewhere around uh, maybe Wrigley, and then it just... If you go farther north, the cost to own is this less than renting in, uh, you know, those nicer areas. So you can really get, you can really get a few bargains in Inglewood out here. Oh, yeah. I don't think I'd fit in so well there, but you never sure know. there's you never a know. lot of nice buildings. Uh, some of them are in a little bit of disrepair, but yes, the housing stock at one point was pretty good. Anyway, uh, if you were to hang out, this would be very politically incorrect. You've got me this this far. On the uh, so early in the morning, uh, if you were to hang at the official drinking hall of stocks, Jacks Triple E Tap, uh, it's a Boston bar. And if you ever want to meet some of the most amazing creatures in terms of sports, there's nothing like Boston fans. If they lose the coach, the whole team, they're all basically put them in the, you know, give them across the Atlantic with enough gas to get halfway, that kind of thing. And if they win, they're the best team ever. That's just the best player I ever saw in my life, you know, that type of thing. There's no middle ground with these guys. And everybody should be a general manager. 
Everybody should be a coach. Everybody knows every play to call in football. You know, it's, it's, it What's is, your most famous example of the Boston fans? Dave Portnoy? Uh, no, there was a guy behind me that... Uh, Who's the, who's the big tall defenseman the Bruins had? Uh, the hell was his name? He was there forever, and he went and played like one more year or some other place. He was like six nine, six eight. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, he ended up having a really uh-huh. a huge career. But then his last couple of years, obviously, he wasn't quite as. Fit. God, this guy's like the worst defenseman ever. God, he's horrible. I can't believe we're still playing this ass. <laughs> All of a sudden, the guy like shoots one of the power play that goes to the goal. God, that's why that guy's still on the team. Even though he's older, he's still terrific. <laughs> the same guy. Right? It, it, Hero to zero. Yeah, or it, it, the other way. Just, just I mean, they're, they're absolutely priceless. And if you watch the, uh, well, you know, when the uh, Patriots were really good, I mean, you couldn't get in the place on a Sunday. Especially the, uh, the mob scene was, if you look at your TV now, which we're going to talk about a little bit, you look at your TV scheduling. <coughs> um, you want you wanted Boston on the first game on Sunday, with the Bears the second game. If you really want to fill up your saloon, right? Because if you're in the first game, it means you're not on national TV. So if anybody doesn't have the NFL Network, or you know, a lot of people do know, um, you had to go to Tripoli to watch it, right? Then you got your Bear fans afterward because they're never on national TV. They get trounced, so then you got to watch that. But that's the you want. <laughs> But, I mean, that's, that's the game you want at Boston because if they're at night or on a Monday, of course, Monday you'd get a huge crowd anyway, but um, but it'd been generally the, the game that everybody had to go there to watch it, except if you had the network, was a, was the noon game. And so those guys are there right away at 11 o'clock in their seat at the bar, and it's it's hilarious. And uh, anyway, if, if you just sit there and listen I to the people. The good re- yeah, the good one now to really subscribe to is Red Zone, especially with all the fantasy stuff going on. You got Red Zone on one TV, and then uh, one of the local games on the other. Well, I stopped in there Friday night, and there was uh, much wailing and gnashing of teeth. Both the Cubs and the Sox are on the Apple Channel. Nobody's on, so people just stop up. Wait a second. Yeah. How does that work? Um, so you know, you you know, you're you might have thought that if you bought the Marquee Channel, you actually got all the games. You don't. Apple bought I don't know how many games this year. You gotta have a streaming Apple, which nobody I, I will never have that. So then yesterday, I'm out and about, get all my shopping, all my stuff done early in the pouring rain. And uh I head back, the Cubs are gonna be on against the Philly if I watch a few innings. They're not on either. They're on some Fox special streaming thing. So my question my question to you is how many times can you sell people the same games? How how, how many times can you sell the same product? Um clearly Clearly, more than once. Well, I mean, you know that if you got, if you have, uh, if you have the marquee channel, I'm going to say, well, you know, I'm not a Mr. Mr. Cableman, but I'm going to say that 99.9 percent of the people who go farther down the cable package and get the marquee channel or the NBC Sports, NBC Sports Channel that the Sox are on, the Cubs used to be on, um, I'm going to say 99 percent of those people have. ESPN or just regular old Fox. You know, Fox is over the air, right? Thirty channel thirty two or used to be twelve or whatever. Thirty two. They're over the air. So if if you have a few games that are on ESPN or Fox, virtually anybody who has the marquee channel is gonna get those two, right? So it's no big deal or they'd have to go to another channel. But now all of a sudden, if you actually paid extra for the marquee channel, you're getting skunked for like, I don't know, ten, fifteen games a year. And you so why not why not sell those? Hopefully, that would be on your regular package. No, you just. I'm saying if, if you if you decided, but I'm saying you. I don't get Apple TV. I don't get this NBC Plus or whatever the hell it is. 
even though I have the high-end sports thing that gets me the marquee. So my so, so my question is, if the Cubs go out and say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna sell up you know 162 games on the marquee, and suppose I you know I had to go get it separately or something, okay, I'll pay you idiots ten bucks a month for that. Well, now all of a sudden, well, no, wait a minute, we went, now we went and sold those games to somebody else. Wait a minute, you, you just you just sold them to me. <laughs> I'm just saying, nobody nobody cares my opinion. But how many times can you? It's like you've been in a restaurant business. Selling somebody a hot dog and somebody said, "No, I'm sorry, I just sold a hot dog to somebody else. <laughs> I, just, I just bought that hot dog." But you don't get it next time, baby. You know, you, know, you get a great, great inventory system. Sometimes that happens anyway. Well, that's that's the truth. All right, what do you think of this? All the stuff happening this week. We're at, we are, for those that don't know, we are Monday, July 25th. Um, the uh, Chicago Fed National Activity Index is today. Nobody cares about that. Tomorrow, here's here's the good one though. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you this. The Case Shiller National Home Price Index year over year. Now, as of last month, year over year is 20.4%. Yet your government's CPI has it at 5%. Are we ever going to catch up? Sounds about right. Yeah, we're we're going to catch up there. Times four? Yeah, it's it's four times worse than what they're saying. Uh, Consumer Confidence Index, they're looking for 97.8. By the way, have anybody asked you as a consumer how confident you are? Uh, I think that's a that was a big topic of discussion over the weekend. A bunch of us idiots drinking around uh, the the grill, but I don't know. You think that? I think it depends a lot around uh, Microsoft, Google. I think they've got earnings this week, and then Exxon probably uh, on Friday, okay. or Apple on Thursday. Yeah, that's yeah. it. So you know, if, if I've always kind of thought that if Apple really really uh, gets hurt in the earnings department, then that's kind of a proxy for the U.S. consumer. So that would turn me bearish if Apple had some terrible earnings. Okay, well, we're talking about a Fed funds rate. Uh, it's going to go, the Fed uh, out peeps on Wednesday, and they're not, they're not meeting until uh, September. There's no meeting in August. All right, so we got durable goods. We got advanced report on trade goods. Now, here's the, the second big lie. I shouldn't be saying this on a Monday morning. Uh, is Friday with the core PCE index. This is the this is the one that the uh, Fed uses, which is like you know God knows what planet they're on. So that's all on Friday. But the gross domestic product first release is on Thursday. Now we were negative last quarter, right? And now it, w- it used to be that if you were negative two quarters in a row, that would be considered a recession. But now we've we've, we've wound ourselves around that worrisome little thing and now it's it's one of these guys judge that there's a drop in economic activity well the median forecast is for a positive 0.3 which is somewhat interesting because the Atlanta Fed is at a minus 1.6 so they're not even close not to say that the Atlanta well, Fed's right all the time but I mean with the government can you are the numbers I mean they're not paid to <laughs> give you the right numbers they're trying to you know uh, spur, spur demand and about their own numbers, so I would say just watch the ten-year and watch the S and P, and you'll be able to figure out what those numbers were, or well, what you'll be able to figure them out before. Well, the uh, S and P again seems to be on its own little. I was going to ask you. I have uh, people ask me, and uh, Saturday I went to this great Irish uh, restaurant up on in Orland. I didn't even know it was there. Anyway, good good food, and uh, so the lady says to me. Tom, what do you what do you think the market's going to do? What do you think the economy's going to do? And I said, first of all, they're 
two totally different questions, unfortunately. And I, I don't, you know, Greg, I can't, I cannot put my finger on this information flying back and forth. When I when I was your age, the government was, you know, could be inefficient. Obviously, the Vietnam War were very inefficient, uh, but they didn't really lie on stuff like CPI and things like that. I mean, they were they were pretty legit. I mean, I think they have there's a, there's a built-in lag in the numbers that somehow no matter, no matter who's there, it just seems to show up. I mean, there's it there's inflation all over the place before they show it. Then there's inflation in their numbers way after it's gone. At least that's the way it was back in the 70s and 80s. And I suspect the same thing's going to happen this time. I don't know why there's that much of a lag, but I don't really know how they do the mechanism either. So um, I guess you know, there's, there's... Well, the, the optimist in me kind of thinks, you know, oh, they've got much more tools and better things to gauge and better uh, calculations and, and computing and all that stuff. But then the pessimist kind of thinks, well... You know, are they really telling the truth? Is that in their best interest? Does the Fed really have any? <laughs> do, do they have any uh, things to gain by telling us the truth? Stuff like that. So I end up usually just defaulting back to the S and P, the bonds, watching crude oil, stuff like that. You know, the cost of food and energy versus. Yeah, but your your bonds, in in one man's opinion, the bonds were were th- the th- well. First of all, when I traded on the first trade on the trading floor. There was no S&P futures. There wasn't even a value line. So that's what you did. You watched the bonds. And if, and if the bonds were yeah. if the bonds were going up, it means that interest rates were going uh, down, right? Right the other way around. What am I doing here? Uh, inverse relationship. Yeah, it's the inverse relationship. So, the, uh, so if, if bonds started, started uh, flying down, I mean, interest rates were going up, which was bad for company, bad for the economy. And, and stocks would start going down. You, you never had a, you know, a, a, a limit down day in the bonds or a big down day in the bonds when the market was up, because when you're when, you're, when your interest rates are, I'm going to use the term normal. If they start going up from there, it, it costs means companies got to pay more. It means the price of the of the stock uh, going forward is going to be down because you know right your your stream of income is going to be worth less. Correct. So I mean it, it does all that. So well, now that you're but now that we're at the extreme end, it's, some, it's sort of the other way around. Now it's if the if the news is lousy, you want to take then the Fed has to do pour more money in the system. I mean, the Fed is to me, Greg, is is, is totally overrun the system with their nine trillion dollars because otherwise nobody. I mean, if the Fed was not a buyer, can you think of anybody you know, your your dead great grandfather who would actually invest money? It's say two percent when the inflation rate is like twelve. I, mean, at the I end think the rest of the world has been, you know, an unreal appetite for dollars. So whether that's buying stocks or buying bonds or whatever it is, I think that the demand for dollars is so high that the rest of the world would pick up a significant amount of slack, and which is why they've been so liberal and, or excuse me, which is why they've been so, uh, you know, print happy. Well, but I mean, but I, the two things that have that have totally changed. Like this time, is you. you I'm gonna, with, with all deference, with all due respect, you you can't look, in my opinion, you cannot look at the dollar as if you're trading it against the euro dollar, against the the yen, against the pound, because that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the dollar in relation to rent or automobiles or buildings. It's totally because they've been so coordinated on the central bank. 
Yeah, so the first thing somebody would say, if you put Rick Santelli on CNBC and you'd say, man, his dollar's, his dollar's really going in the crapper. He'd say, what are you talking about? It's strong as hell versus the euro dollar. And I'd say, it's in the crapper compared to like an automobile or, or compared to anything you're willing to buy. So there are two, there's two totally separate discussions, I think. Do you, you agree or think I'm nuts? Uh, I'm not sure. I do know a lot of friends have booked trips and have, are in Europe right now just, you know, because it's 20% oh, I, cheaper I, I, than I get that. last year. I get that, but I'm saying the, the European Central Bank did even more than our guys. On a, on a, on a you know, on a, on a shekel-by-shekel basis, they own what? They, don't they own like 80% of some CUSIP numbers and some of the bonds? Yeah, and they were the first to go, or I guess the Japanese were the first to really go negative yields, but, uh, it's just a more more of a reason for foreign capital to want those dollars and bonds and stuff because in their country, a their inflation is a lot worse, and b uh, they've had they've had a uh, the central bank that's printing more than us, so yeah. why not shift into some dollars? Yeah, which is, I think where the euro dollar contract came from. Well, there's no doubt that if, if well, the, well the original euro dollar, uh, boy is. How long has the euro dollar been there? Like 1994? Around 20 years, right? Mm, well, when I was over there in 91, we still had to do the... Uh, that was 30 years. We still had to do the... You go from Germany to Austria. Was it, Austria was the... Krona? And German was the Deutschmark, and Italy was the euro, French was the franc. I don't remember half of the other ones. Well, Brit- British, obviously, was the pound. Every time you crossed the border, you had to do something. And then the euro... The, yeah, the, the original the euro currency dollar. swap, the euro dollars, uh, meaning the dollar deposits are not in U.S. banks, is was a different contract. Right, euro dollar the currency swaps traded what in the early two thousands. Yeah, Euro- European banks used to allow. I don't think you could ever, Greg. Well, you know, I don't know. I don't think you could ever walk into First National Bank, Continental Bank, back in the day with a with a, with a pocket full of Deutschmarks. And actually have an account in Deutschmarks. I think you had to turn them into dollars to make an account here, didn't you? I don't think it was ever. I'm going back a ways. But in, in Europe, you could do that. You could have a, a dollar. You could have a dollar deposit in a European bank. Hence the name Euro Dollar. Correct. Yeah, and that's why they the contract here got so big and popular, and the CME really, really did. The, they built that up to their top uh, yeah, yeah. producer. How, what the, how many people they have in that pit at one time? It was like 400, 500? It was, huge, it was bigger oh, than it. It was bigger than the OEX, I think. The OEX was like three fifty. I think it was even bigger. It was even bigger than the thirty, wasn't it? Um, the Euro Dollar Option Pit, I know, is where DRW started. One of the bigger traders in Chicago. A whole lot of them really started in in those. Uh, I can't even. Area. I can't even. I mean, the OEX had three hundred fifty people, but they had. We had all kinds of strikes. I mean, there were guys that traded the out stuff, guys that traded the near stuff, guys that wanted to trade every order, guys that wanted to trade twice a day. I mean, all kinds of different people, all kinds of different approaches. And that's what made it a terrific market. I can't imagine a crowd with, like, 450 people where everybody in the place is one bid at two, where it's the exact same, exact same product all the way across the, the whole pit. I mean, I, that would be weird. I mean, I just, I just never experienced that. Just yeah, I think the models in there were really much more fluid than um, say the equities where they had more <laughs> they had more structure and history I, I just think it was a, it was a, 
who the guy who had the biggest ones? <laughs> it was a, I, mean, I can't imagine that. A whole bid, where are you? One bid of two. Where are you? One bid of two. Okay, well, I guess, you know, inter- interesting world. But this week, like you say, between all the corporate earnings, between all this other stuff, I mean, it's going to be pretty interesting. And then, you know, the Fed's they're going to say, the big debate is going to be whether the Fed does their 75 and they, and they either go, well, you know, it looks like we're gaining on gasoline or some crap like that. And so we're going to maybe maybe be okay come de- September. I don't see them dropping another 0.75 on the world six weeks before, or eight, six to eight weeks before an election in September. I, I just don't. I mean, I, I think they're going to they're going to say we're we're data dependent, and the data got a little better, so we're going to let it go for a while. I don't I don't see them throwing who's ever in office. I think they favor a little bit, except for uh, uh, Bush one certainly blames his. Lost to Clinton and, and uh, what's his name? Uh, who was the, the grumpy old guy? Uh, God bless. Who was the uh, was it McCain? Greenspan. Greenspan. Yeah, oh. he, he blames his election loss on Greenspan, doesn't he? Still does. Well, he's dead, but <laughs> if he was alive, he might, he might wherever he's at, he might still blame blame Greenspan. I mean, you might be hunting him down in the afterlife or something. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he kind of sunk himself too, though, and he did the. I, in my opinion, the right thing, you know, no new taxes, but then he did, and yeah, uh, you lost. So, oh well. Well, that's you know, it, really going back to that Apple example. I think you can see the direction of the economy just based on Apple. You don't even really need the the S and P. Well, uh, how do you, McGreg? You you were a guy who knows, you know, obviously you do the crush. You know a lot about trade. You've done that your whole life. You also know a lot about restaurants. Your family's been in the business and those kinds of things. How do you even? How can you even determine right now how that world is going? I mean, when I say world is going, you listen to the you know the, the creatures on TV. They only go to the high end joints, right? And so if you go to those places where people have the money, that restaurant that managed to stay open during the COVID, maybe even did okay with carryouts and something, got a boatload of cash from the government if you fill out the forms right, and now all of a sudden. Their prices are twenty to twenty-five percent to thirty percent higher. Any everywhere, they, especially the places, and, and maybe the place across the street is closed. I mean, they're doing. Right. You, you, I mean, you look at the place, and they're on a nominal level, they're doing terrific, both in terms of, of, of revenue and in terms of maybe even people. Yet, how do you compare that to the, how much of that's inflation? How much of it's a guy down the blocks closed? I mean, how, how do you? Even look and say, "Oh God, there's people everywhere. Everybody must be doing good." Well, that's not true. I, mean, the people, I bet Applebee's is doing lousy. You know, I mean, I, I don't. I, I'm thinking they might be. But how, how do you how do you even put a finger on that on, on those numbers? I think it's the same as in most businesses. You find out who's prepared and who manages the risk the right way. Um, you've got your fixed expenses and you've got some cash in the bank, and you need to figure out how to properly or effectively allocate what you have. So I think in restaurants, what you saw was a big scare for inflation. So they hiked a bunch of prices, and uh, you'll see it very slow, if any, to come down. And now they're trying to use what they have um, to just stretch it out because we're definitely not building more restaurants or anything right now. I mean, it's it's uh, it's who can last outlast the next person really right now. Well, a lot so of it was very similar as in other businesses. A lot of it, a lot of it is. Uh, I don't. I don't. You know, what is it? Uh, something. Something favors the brave, or whatever. But there's a one of my favorite places on the west side. I'll go nameless. Uh, they had the COVID thing happen, 
They just happened. Somebody was, there was an empty lot next door. They just happened to figure out the thing was for sale for some reason. The person died or whatever. So they buy the thing. And they, you know, they hack around with it a little bit. All of a sudden, the COVID thing happens. They make this thing, this beautiful patio, put 15 tables out there. And then they have the, the outside on the other side. All of a sudden now their, their footprint is bigger than it ever was. So now they make it through the COVID. I'm sure because restaurants were very favored and any of the money come from the government, I'm going to say last year, I hope they are because I love the people, I'm going to say last year was their best year ever by far, even over the last two years because of the COVID and because the government essentially paid all your your salaries. And now all of a sudden they got this real uh, nice For about 30%. Yes. For about 30% of the about industry. 30% of the restaurants. The, the yeah. 70 that didn't um, receive some of those RRF funds. Or people that had no place to put a chair outside. I mean, my, my, my other buddies over at Club Lago, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, those guys, right. put, they put the little cocoons outside. They'd, they had stuff for five tables, six tables on a main street. They're trying to be open when it was 20 degrees. They're putting, they're putting these plastic things over the table with a candle in there. I'm like, good Lord. Somebody had, meanwhile, some place in the suburbs put tents out in the, in the parking lot that were three times as big as the restaurant. Yeah, in the suburbs, they shut down a lot of streets. Yeah. Especially downtown Arlington. There was, no, yeah, the there was a lot of luck yeah, there. It's really the flexibility of your operation and your ability to to use what you have kind of in preparation for whatever is coming. So if if you're very flexible and you've got a decent mix of carryout and, and you've got a decent online presence, and that probably helped you out a lot. If you're a one-stop shop and you've, you're completely dependent on something, you know, just like in any other business, you're going to get squeezed. And uh, it's... It's, yeah. it's well, tough. All right, one last, at the end of the week, S&Ps are thirty nine eighty five. When all said and done, next Monday, we up or down? Uh, I'll say VAL is up, so I guess that means we're down. Okay, there you go. Now you don't you know, blame it all on VAL, on VAL, on the VIX. All right, buddy, take care of yourself. I'll see you. S&P futures up 21, NASDAQ futures up 64. We'll right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. 
Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold. The idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Hey, guys. What's up, G? Want to go to Tchotchkes? Get some coffee? A little early. I, mean. I gotta get out of here. I think I'm gonna lose it. Uh oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Stocks, jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Owl. Mr. Matt Byrne on the board, S&P Futures. I'm sitting here, Matt, reading uh, Chicago, uh, Hey Jackass for Chicago, finding out how uh, yes. bad the weekend was. And it's, uh, we only had 50-some shot. Went, I guess it wasn't so bad. Yeah, a light weekend. A light weekend. Only seven kills. So we must have patched it. means we patched up 46. Pretty mm. good patching, I'd say. s Futures up 21. Nasdaq Futures up 66. Uh, Dow Futures up 186. We're trying to have a, a run ahead of the of all kinds of corporate earnings. we got Fed stuff. we got... PCE numbers, we got it all this week, so it's, a, uh, like I say, it's an important, well, they're all important, I guess. Nikkei down 215.7%, Shanghai down 19.6%, Hang Seng quiet today, minus 46, it's 0.2%. Over in uh, Europe, we've got the DAX up 61.5%, FTSE up 5, call that flat. Uh, CAC around up 36.6, a bit of review on Friday. Dow was down 137 S&P down 37, it's a full like 1%. NASDAQ down almost 2%, 225, but it had been leading the charge up, so we'll see what happens this week. So just a pause, we still were up on the week. Uh, we've got bonds, uh, 10 years, uh, positive 3, uh, 30 seconds, 3, 30 seconds. I'll never get 30 seconds out of my brain, man, because that's what we traded the first 20 years I was here. <laughs> Three basis points, 2.82, the bond 1.05, 1.05, almost ready to go below 1 again. Japan, 0.22. Uh, oil uh, down up a buck seventeen, but still only ninety five eighty seven, uh, way under the hundred hundred hour number. Brent up one nineteen one hundred four thirty nine. So that spread now is like nine bucks. That's a huge spread between uh, West Texas and Brent. A natural gas up seven cents eight thirty seven. Man, you can always tell the, the trader in me. Eh? I'm always looking for these spreads. Yeah. I think I think you might have. I don't know, boy. If you, 
We have all, all kinds of world issues, but still, it'd almost be a, a buyer West Texas and a seller of Brent. Definitely. Um, our Bob up three cents, three twenty-five. Uh, we've got gold up a dollar ten, seventeen twenty-eight. Uh, silver unchanged at eighteen sixty-one. Copper up two cents, three seventy-three. We've got Bitcoin down seven forty to twenty-two thousand zero zero five, trying to hang in there above twenty-two thousand. And we have the uh, U.S. dollar one zero two four against the euro. So. Come back quite a bit from the 0.99 we saw, I'm going to say two weeks ago Monday. Uh, Great Britain, uh, the pound is uh, 1.20 after being down like 116. So the dollar is, uh, is, uh, is, is going down here a little bit compared to these other currencies. But still pretty high. What do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Yeah, good morning, everyone. Currently 6.37 a.m. on Monday, July 25th, 2022. And sports, let's start on Saturday. Uh, the MLB, uh, Cubs at Phillies. Cubs win 6-2. Uh, White Sox and Guardians, there's a doubleheader game, make up uh, from May 11th. Game 1, Guardians win 7-4. Game 2, uh, White Sox win 5-4. Uh, Diamondbacks played, uh, uh, that was uh, home against Washington. Uh, Diamondbacks win 7-2. On Sunday, Cubs took on Phillies. Cubs won 4-3. White Sox home again against the Guardians. Sox win 6-3. And finally, Diamondbacks, uh, they're up against Washington once again. Uh, Washington won 4-3. Now for weather in Chicago. Uh, currently, it's mostly cloudy. Uh, so, ooh, I should say, I could correct that. Mostly sunny uh, with some scattered clouds. A little, uh, a little confusion there. Uh, but currently, uh, I, I, got, I thought it was worth mentioning. Uh, the AQI, uh, the Air Quality Index, I could see the skyline all the way from the suburbs, and I thought it was worth noting that uh, uh, AQI is at 18 percent, uh, 18 US, 18 US AQIS uh, down uh, 10 from yesterday at a 28, and down almost a uh, 30 or 40 from Saturday, which is at 59. Uh, so yeah, air, air quality is getting a little better here. Uh, as well as that, high of 78 and a low of 67, currently 67 in Chicago. In Phoenix, cloudy, 84 degrees, a high of 99 and a low of 83. Uh, being an alert, there is an aerial flood watch in effect. Uh, traffic in Chicago, traffic eastbound on the Eisenhower between Wolf Road and Harlem Avenue. Traffic westbound on the Dan Ryan between 31st Street and Jane Byrne Interchange downtown. And traffic uh, northbound on the Stevenson between Route 171 and South Kedzie Avenue. So we got you. Back uh, to you. Hope we're not getting any floods on the ninth floor. I hope not. John, you with us? I am here, Tom. Good morning. All right, so I understand you were at this uh, party in Logan Square at 110 where somebody got blasted. Then you needed a nightcap and you went over to Division Street where two other people got blasted. Yeah, it was like on West Fullerton was the one, and the other one was like down around the Lodge or Bush McGuire's in that territory or something. It's like, well, you're not safe anywhere, Tom. You always just be safe there. So we'll see, we've got, in terms of Mass killings. Now these we, we have so many of these we can't even make the news. Uh, we have a. Uh, what does it mean when they say it's a walk in at Stitch and Go? What the hell is Stitch and Go? Is it a laundromat? Stitch and Go. It must be like a quick patch up. Maybe. Is it a laundromat? <laughs> no, the hospital emergency room. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know what? It is. It's a. It's a. It's a one of those uh, medical facilities or walk in places. Oh yeah, the, uh, you know what do they call them? The, the care facilities, or and there's different levels of those too. You know, I've got a couple around me in the neighborhood here that I I haven't gone to. And some of them are run by hospitals. Northwestern has one down at uh, Irving Park at Cicero, which is I think I don't know if it's a surgery center or just you know for emergency room type stuff because they they want to keep people out of the hospital, you know, down in Streeterville as much as possible. So they'd rather build a facility. 
and staff it with people who can handle you know, not so critical stuff. So that well, this guy, they don't know where he got shot because he walked into the place. Yeah, there's a couple of those around a community something or other. I see it referred to all the time in these shootings, and it's not doesn't have a name of a hospital attached to it. It may just have kind of a loose affiliation, but they are designed to you know you know things like burns or you know cuts or you know injuries that require immediate attention, but not necessarily a long hospital stay. Well, you know, I cannot find the Luddite that I am when it comes to Internet stuff. I, I found this site at one time, and I don't know why I didn't save it, or maybe I did. But I saved my stuff once, and then Microsoft came by with an update and erased all my favorites. Yep, yep, I'm famous for that. Um, anyway, there, there was a site where you could go countrywide, and you go back 40 years if you wanted. You could define your time horizon, and you also could define your idea of what a mass shooting is. So you could filter for, like, 10 and over, 9 and over, well, this week, I mean, I, I don't know what a, whatever anybody's definition of a mass shooting is. Well, here's a four-lot on Saturday, 2700 West Jackson, uh, 145 in the morning. <clears throat> then we had the two-lot in the morning. Two-lot's probably not a mass shooting. But now we got a three-lot Saturday night, and then we got another four-lot at uh, on Saturday evening. So that's two four-lots and a three-lot. That's pretty good. Now we've got another uh, two-lot on Sunday. So it's... You know, we got a uh, three-lot on somebody dying on uh, Sunday morning. So we've got two two threes and two fours. That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, no matter how you define it, I think we, Chicago is probably, you know, in the, <laughs> the forefront of the you know, ways you can put pressure on this definition because so many of these incidents involve, you know, people caught in crossfire, or just being mowed down, or at a, a street party, or standing around, sitting on the front porch, not doing anything, and <laughs> whatever happens, they get shot. That um, isn't like it's planned, or they're targeted, or anything either. So, it, it, I think there's a difference though between a mass shooting, as you and I used to think about it, you know, when it actually involves some sort of psychopath who was actually looking at the people he or she was shooting and trying to get them, and now it's just people you know, firing and not caring or looking. So that's, I guess that qualifies as a mass shooting, but it's it's more of just some kind of a wanton act than the way they, they used to define. Well, the guy got blasted yesterday. He's changing a tire. Yeah, I was, I, some some woman I saw on the west side, like three in the morning. She was sitting on her front porch, probably trying to catch a breeze. I don't think she was doing anything illegal. and get shot. <laughs> Did somebody just look at her and say, "What's she doing on the front porch? <laughs> I got to take care of this." Or is it just, you know, somebody drunk or stoned or whatever and not, not caring? I think a lot of that is involved, too, of just, you know, the, the people who are just flailing with their weapons and just shooting anybody or anything they can get a, a beat on and not caring who it is, yeah, I, uh, somebody or not. I never thought in, in this world, I mean, you, people change, I never thought in this world, other than the fact that I always was aware in the trading floor or other places that have, Enough people got out of line, you had chaos. See, you can't you can't let that happen because other people get a chance to live too, not just the people that are bad. I mean, they have rights too. Obviously, this is America, but their rights don't supersede the the rest of the people. And we're getting to that point where sort of they are. So my brother's having dinner yesterday, and my nephews, I mean, you know, everybody's living let live group. And they, uh, I said, you know, we need to do like the Rat Patrol. Of course, they had no idea what the Rat Patrol was. Matthew, you have any idea who the rapid, what the Rat Patrol was? 
Oh man, it's one of those shows on uh, I want to say on like the uh, H and I channel. Yeah, <laughs> I I know it's it was World War World War Two, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 I got I got an idea. I got an idea. Well, these guys had a, a couple of jeeps with a big fifty caliber machine gun on the thing. I said, you need a couple of these on the expressway. In the second anybody opens fire out of a car, you just level the place. I mean, I, know, I the, the thought of me saying something like that, John. I mean, somewhere along the line. If you don't have some kind of a stop and frisk and these people, 15 years old, slugging off the, the red line or any other line, heading over to Millennium Park on a Friday and Saturday night, you, the people in Millennium Park have rights too. Not just the people slumping off the red line to, to create havoc. And I, I think some of these neighborhoods, it's always a black SUV, windows open up. At, at 3 in the morning, you're going to have to. People have a right to sit on their porch. That lady's rights, to me, are supersede the right of the crook or the shooter. That's just me. I mean, I, I, I'm with you, Tom. I mean, I don't, but it doesn't mean that you know you're cruel on your. But I mean, somewhere along the line, you're going to have to have a uh, a show of police force or whoever it is, where you're going to take a square mile. And everybody in the square mile that's driving around from two to three in the morning gets pulled over, stopped, and searched. And if there's none of guns are in the car and so forth. I don't care who it is. If I'm driving through there, I don't mind it. I mean, if, as long as it's that's the square mile they're doing that night. Of course, I think these guys are so over the, 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 the police being radio, the police could never even do that because they don't, they'll know the area before the police do. Oh, that's right. They, they can break the codes. They know yeah. exactly who, who's out there, where they are, how close they are, and what they can get away with until they get caught. This is you know, taken to a, a very different level from anything I would have thought possible 20 years ago. But how many, how many loser cars are driving around in this city, from midnight, of course, it's not just midnight. I was going to say, showing my age, midnight to four. It doesn't matter. Here's people five forty in the afternoon. Three people got shot at four thousand West Arlington on a Sunday. Don't you think you could stay outside of your house on a Sunday and not get shot? Yeah. The afternoon. Well, I, th- I think somebody got shot in in the forty eight hundred block of North Kimball, which is just you know down the street from the Brown Line terminus in my neighborhood. And I was just standing at that corner earlier that day waiting for a bus. You know, this yeah. is a, it's not the most not know the most wholesome neighborhood, but it's pretty normal. This is, this is Roosevelt High School is nearby, and there's businesses and Popeye Chicken. You know, a typical Chicago intersection where there's a bus line, two bus lines, and an L station right there. And this kid is standing out in front of something or other at like 4.45 in the afternoon and got shot in the leg. Well, is that targeted? It, it could be. I mean, I have a hunch that a lot of people walking around the neighborhood are gang members, and there's somebody out looking for them for retribution for something. But, you know, this is a busy place, and in broad daylight, shooting anybody. We're not so talking about people that are... We're not, yeah, we're not uh, talking about people that are working. We're not talking... Somehow or another, I mean, you, you see the people leaving these neighborhoods, I, I don't... This this cannot allow to be allowed to happen, John. And, and it is. It gets worse every week, and not worse, but it's continual. But I'll tell you what's worse is... is I mean, how many, I knew people that have gone to those bars at Clark and Division for how many years now, for God's sake? Shootings at three in the morning. Never, never was there any guns. There were no yeah. shootings. I don't. I mean, there were fights and, and you know, occasional you know bar brawls, but not all that often. They no. were. They had some big bouncers, and it was just bad for business if word got out that this place was not safe to be inside of. And now you're not safe inside, outside, on the L getting there or anything else. <laughs> well, I mean, but yeah, and I don't, I don't, I don't understand why people accept it. And just, just, I mean, uh, maybe they think they can't do anything, and they just, you know, bl- you know, wild out, uh, you know, 
uh, move. I, I had a big discussion with, uh, well, I, did, uh, I went to this really, really nice Irish restaurant on Saturday. I, never, I can't believe I hadn't gone there before, someplace in Orland. And the food is delicious and uh, uh, not very pricey. But uh, they, I said, where is everybody? All the regulars, they had a bus to the Sox game. They had 60 people there for like some big buffet. And all the regulars went to the Sox game. So there was like nobody in the place. Like 7.30 or 8, we were there. But it was, it was fine. kind of nice. But anyway, we're, uh, so I'm this kind of conversation. And, uh, and they, they're talking about, you know, Lightfoot. I said, you know, she, she's, I said, before you say she doesn't have a chance, look at the process. And they go, what are you talking about? I said, the process is, uh, you're going to have, anybody can run. You and I can run. It's, it's very few signatures. I mean, how many signatures? I won't say very few. Would you? Well, that not as, as there are for other jobs. And that's, you know, I, I think there's a recognition that in this kind of jungle primary we have now, the nonpartisan primary for city elections, they don't care. You know, the powers that be don't really care who gets on the ballot um, because there's a you know, two-step process to doing it, and they can manipulate you know the process different ways. They don't have to just keep people off the ballot. So, but life was running against what, like seventeen people or something. Yeah, four, four years ago. Well, you know that she didn't have any better chance at the beginning than you or I probably did. But but it, you know at, what, when the second round comes you know along, then you have to you know Preckwinkle and Lightfoot running against each other. You'd, you'd have to stop and think. No matter whether you like either one of them or both of them. Oh well, yeah. Well, is there, so is there, there any choice here? Is this there's what no the choice. Election is about. Why are there two different people running against each other? And there's no, you know, space between them and the ideas of their beliefs or their ability to run anything. This isn't much of an election to me. Well, but it's only I, I think that's one of the advantages to, to certain you know people in the power structure that they like having that that sort of you know, openness to it because you can get really crazy results and also people who are easy to control or loonies and you know, the the people who really are, are behind a lot of the stuff don't care who's in City Hall. Right. I don't think. They're, they're looking for the, the, the loonies are the good ones you know, to a lot of these people. And this is why we get some of the strange people we got sitting in the City Council now, too. Well, I was, uh, anyway, the, 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 the debate sort of continued and said she has no chance. I go, what are you talking about? She's got no chance. She's got every chance. I, I bet anybody right now she's in a runoff. Yeah, maybe with Lily Wilson or somebody else. I mean, she's got. She's not leaving the pack in uh, campaign contributions. She doesn't have as big a war chest. I don't think. Well, but, but I mean, look at the. What's going to happen? You've got. Uh, well, last time, I'm going to say the. Uh, let's look at this. Is, this isn't white versus black, but some, of course, some people view it that way. She runs, and so then. Uh, Bill Daly runs. Well, Joyce immediately puts his hat in the ring because he doesn't like Bill Daly. Now you had Vallis who wants to run for everything and screw everything up. And, and you had a former police chief ran too, right? And plus, God knows how many other people. So she got, I mean, everybody forgets when you say, how many votes did she get? Everybody said, what do you mean? The election against Preckwell was a big turnout. I said, no. How many votes did she friggin' get? I have no idea. Well then, well, then don't, if you don't know how the process works, Please don't argue with me. <laughs> like, she got ninety thousand votes or ninety-two. You can't tell me that she's not going to get that many votes again after being mayor. Even even if ninety percent of the place dislikes her or eighty percent, she's going to get that vote total. Now tell me who 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 are two people that are going to get more than that? If if everybody in the world's running, splitting the ticket, and they look at you like you've got four heads. But but, but that's the game, right, Jen? 
Right, and it's manipulated to an extent that you or I you know, could probably not penetrate to the, to the bottom of, but the whole thing, I think, with the Joyce candidacy, was, he was clearly a spoiler. Yeah. Bob Fioretti has been a spoiler over and over again in these elections. Yeah. They are there clearly only to you know, detract attention from what the result is, is going to be, and they're there to make sure it, it happens by diverting votes away from candidates of, of a like complexion, a like racial background, or political persuasion, whatever else. It's, it's about diffusing, you know, the opposition. And they, I, I hate to say, it, I'm sure they're getting paid or rewarded in some way to do it. Um, why else would they do it? I, I, I they'd have to have something in it's some kind of skin in the game, or it seems like a heck of a way to spend your time campaigning when you have no hope of winning and no desire to win. But somebody wants you to well, run. Well, somebody asked me why why wouldn't they a real strong Hispanic? You know, is it time for a strong Hispanic? And I, well, first of all, if it's a good person, it's always been time in my mind. I don't care if somebody looks like what color they're as long as they're good. But I guarantee you, if if some somebody like that were to surface within a month, you'd have two other Hispanic candidates that no chance of winning just to just to water it down. And you're right. Where do those people come from? And who pays them? Right. Well, you know, Joe, good old Joe Kennedy, when JFK was running, I think it was in his first congressional election, he was you know, running against a guy named Rossi in the primary. And, of course, what does Joe Kennedy do but find somebody else named Rossi and get him on the ticket? <laughs> There's two Rossies there running <laughs> against JFK. Do you, do you think that helped either of the Rossies? I don't think so. Well, because I'm, I'm going to say there in, in this city, you look around. There are people that have benefited dramatically by her being there, money-wise. The, Absolutely. The, the the bumps by me. The uh, what's the Lincoln Yards? They, they 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 bought a whole neighborhood on the cheap. All these people buying these downtown hotels on the cheap. You and are, we, are you and I in that auction? Are we get a chance to, to to raise money for these auctions for if the Palmer House goes for two hundred ten million dollars, Chad? What's what's the replacement cost of that place? Two bill? Yeah, I mean, and certainly just as a building and a piece of real estate, let alone as a going concern with all of its history and world class attractive powers. You know, where is yeah, two billion is probably conservative. Uh, one of the ladies I was with on Saturday works for one of the uh, uh, liquor distributorships. She said the Palmer House used to be huge. It had four major bars in there between. Uh, Place downstairs, the place in the lobby, and there was a steakhouse on Wabash, right? Trader Vicks, I and mean, there were all yeah. these, um, and just and the shops, you know, in the lobby area, little you know, clothing shops, drugstores, just where you go through the concourse from Monroe Street to the lobby and out the other side on the Wabash, you pass out how many storefronts, and they were always busy. Well, you know, I, you know, I'm surprised that it, I always learn from everybody just stuff for the show, which you know, people useless information, I guess. Uh, <laughs> What if, what if my brother Copper in, in high school used to say he was a font of useless information? I guess that's me. Um, <laughs> no, that was me, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> but she tells me that one of the, the, huge, the biggest seller in the black neighborhoods is like Cognac. Hennessy is the biggest brand. She was someplace bought like 300 cases of it from her. I, mean, I, I, I don't think I've ever had Hennessy, have you? I mean, I'm, maybe once or twice, but... I might have to try it now. <laughs> I mean, just, I'm saying I can't even imagine 300 cases of some booze going. But evidently, she does it goes in like a couple of weeks. It's a big favorite in some areas, I guess. I, I don't well, know. I, what you say though about about Lightfoot and people who like having her there, and 
you're right. It isn't I mean, whatever grassroots support she has, and I I don't think it's that deep, and I don't I don't think a lot of her constituents you know are, are particularly happy. The, the most liberal ones, I think, are very disappointed in her because she hasn't delivered enough on what they expected her to do. Um, so, but when it comes to other interests, uh, it, I think you're right that it's very hard to discount her. Uh, this time around, especially whoever they engineer to run with her or, or against her on the same, well, the, same primary. The, uh, Stranger things have happened. Well, the, the whatever, the, whatever the gay, lesbian, and all the letters in a row, that whole group, in my, in what I understand... That got her elected. They got that, they're, they're like old people. They always vote. I mean, ARP, the reason why ARP is strong, because old people vote, right? I mean... Yeah, I think that was key to her victory, you know, her whatever vote she got the first time around, you know, four years ago, and then in, in the round against Preckwinkle, uh, it was the lesbian and gay constituency along the lakefront that was backing her no matter what. They didn't care what her politics were. Right. She was gay, and that was enough for them. Well, there's, there's a massive, I mean, Tony, Preck, or, uh, Tony Preckwinkle, to me, is she's almost the Hillary Clinton of the area. Oh, it's even more toxic yeah, in my yeah. book because she can do more damage here than Hillary could. So. Well, she backed this Kim Fox to, to the nines. Right. and still does. So that's a that's a big problem, I think, for her. But I, I don't I don't see. I mean, my, as, as I, you know, I don't. I'm sure I didn't win this argument with the group I was with because I never win an argument. It seems Southsiders is very hard to win an argument ever. But I, I don't I don't see her getting less votes than last time. No, and I don't see. And if she does, I don't. Well, we're talking ninety five thousand. We're not talking like four hundred ninety five thousand. We're talking ninety five thousand, and I don't. I don't see two other people getting more than that. Well, just from the, the short list I've seen so far of people that are likely going to go head to head with her, I don't think she's going to do any worse than she did four years ago. Well, it's Paul Dallas. Do better. It's, know, it's, I, mean, it's, I hate to say it, but you know, I, I really think she'll do better. So. Yeah, but Preck Winkle's not on a ballot, is she? No, right, no so. I think she's she's getting to an age too where. Um, I mean, she got she lost all fifty awards against Lightfoot. I mean, that, that tells you something about how people think, or what what how bad Preckwinkle must be in some people's eyes, because she could lose so resoundingly well, she's, to Lightfoot, who was a nothing really in twenty nineteen. Well, Preckwinkle comes across as a resume and a very you know kind of short history in Chicago politics, but um, it shows just how how, how pe- little people thought of Preckwinkle. Well, she comes across as extremely overbearing, arrogant, and uh, and in her. You know, in her incredibly impassioned defense of uh, of Kim Fox to the point of trying to get the judge thrown out, who said there should have been a special prosecutor, is, is most people are going that's going way too far. That's you know that's you know whatever that's uh, Gestapo esque for God's sake. I mean, you start trying to get the judge the judge thrown out. I mean, it's I mean that's the same thing that Trump tried to do, right? Throw people like, this this isn't a good election. Throw everybody out. I mean, anyway, but I mean it was who else is in there? But Palace, this guy uh, Willie Wilson. Uh, is the old police chief running again, or is he not doing it? Well, that cousin Salas, the guy with the FOP, I think may nominally be in the race. I think he threatened to run. Um, but but who else is there? There is not a, a Hispanic candidate with a lot of name recognition yes. that I know of. Is this November? February. February. Well, there's time. Yeah. I mean, is it was the very end of February. That's the first round, you know. Well, that's another thing. I mean, the the Chicago situation where, it's in, you know, if, if the world, all you talk about, Democrats even more than the others, all you talk about is having voters and people show up and what a bunch of horse bleep. 
if, if you really wanted an election to be worthwhile and you, and you wanted to get the mail-in votes out of the way, you do like they do in France. You do a Saturday and a Sunday, all the elections, and and every and, and have people show up at their place. I'm not saying you don't want any mail-in votes or people are gone, but you keep all that to a minimum, and you do it on you, you pick a day where the most people are available. Now, if you're if you're Tony Preckwinkle or not just her, she didn't think of it. What you do is you pick a day in February. We hope at nine below zero, and you give your county workers, the people who work for you, the day off to go and vote. I mean, what the hell kind of an advantage is that? I mean, the idea that, that people actually want people to show up to vote is such bull, bull crap. I can't, I can't even go there, Jeff. If, you, if you're not going to vote for me, I don't want you to go to the poll. Why would I? I'll, 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 I'll put a moat between you and the poll. And, I, and I'm one of the softest guys there are. No, I know you're all going to vote for me, not going to vote for me, but it's important for you to vote. I'll get you a bus. Nobody does that, right? That's a big up 18. That's a up 54. Be right back. Stacks and Jacks. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates and a good inventory make adding bricks and mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Do you need a lot of paint chips when you were a kid? Stocks, jocks, Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here. Hello, my back, Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Mr. Matt Byrne on the board. Uh, SP Feeders up 19, NASDAQ Feeders up 54. That song you're playing, who is that, Matt? That'll be uh, Eliota Haynes and Jeremiah. Yeah, and the... Uh, John, you know that the original uh, 
when they used to do albums, well, they still do now, but mm. uh, what do they call the first etching? What they actually... Uh, oh, the, f- the first uh, the first pressing. Yeah, the first, first pressing yeah. is gone. Wasn't it all lost in a fire? Yeah, I read something about that. It had some kind of you know, real archival value, just as a, yeah. as a piece of merchandise. But uh, we got to find some more beats for that song, though, Tom, because now we've got to squeeze in Dusable Lake for a drive. How are we going to do that? Yeah, it's, uh, we got to throw that one in there. The, uh, you know what the most interesting nights uh, in... They used to be showing my age. Uh, you ever have a place called the Quiet Night, Matt? Probably not. Oh yeah, a place called the Quiet Night. Uh, yeah, it was a was a music spot. No, back no, it was for me. Yeah, it was we were we used to go there. Were, I went with you a couple times, didn't I, Jan? Yeah, this was on what Belmont. It was upstairs on Belmont oh, and yeah. uh, and Sheffield. Yeah, where all the tattoo powers and so it was on the north southwest corner. Used to be right there too. The yeah, shoe. And they moved up to where I am now. We went this one night. We were there and we we're listening to these guys. And boy, I said to the waitress, "Well, these guys are pretty darn good. Who are they?" She goes, "You'll know their name tomorrow because they're putting out their first album, Seals and Croft." Oh wow! They play Summer Breeze for you? Yeah, <laughs> they did. And uh, and the uh, who d- was the blues band that played? Was it uh, Siegel? Oh, Siegel Schwab. Jay Giles. Was it Jay Giles? No, Siegel Schwab played every Monday night. Corky Siegel, yeah. Yeah, they, they they were terrific. But uh, anyway, we had whatever we go there, we have a nice time, and you. I mean, but you know, I just remember how hard that guy worked. Nothing can be harder than, than running a music venue. Having yeah, all these weird creatures coming back. I mean, I mean that guy. He also was. Uh, he was a uh, Steve Goodman used to be a uh, regular there. Yeah. Yeah, the go, the go Cubs go and all that stuff, yeah. man. But he also he he wrote the train they call the City New Orleans. Steve really? Goodman. Uh, yeah. Which uh, is a I long, mean, real. I mean, if you ever. Wonder how you know how hard it is to sing. First, you got to have a voice, which I don't have. Read the lyrics to that song. I mean, just it, it's it's a memorization contest. I mean, it's oh, yeah, not. it's like a Gilbert and Sullivan Patter song. Yeah, it's kind of tongue twisters in there too, really. Yeah, and uh, well, he, so uh, Steve Goodwin was convinced the thing was going to be a hit, and uh, Arlo Guthrie mm-hmm. happened to be playing that night, and the guy says to him, "It's going to be a hit, but not with you." <laughs> 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 Basically, because Steve Goodman was a great writer, he wasn't the world's best singer. Worse, you know, he wasn't as bad as me. But he, uh, but he gave the song to Arlo Guthrie, and the rest, I'm sure he sold it to him. But the rest is history. And uh, right, Jan, I mean, uh, came a yep. hit right, right away. And uh, but still, I mean, if you if you read it, you sit there and go, how the hell can anybody? What about the like White Bird and those kinds of things? And those people are high when they sang those songs. They, the, the, the lyrics are are really tough. In the Garden of Eden, supposed to be in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now you're getting close to my youth. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that song as if, if you were a high school band. The long version. Yeah. Of that, well, if the drummer was like, I want an 18 minute drum solo in the middle yeah. of the thing. Well, if you were a high school drummer and you could play that, you were you were stud cake. I mean, you were an absolute stud cake if you could play that. I mean, Watch uh, out, ladies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, well, anybody who could drum for 17 or 18 straight minutes. I mean, you have. I mean, when you, when you get to you know you got to be a major league drummer and you did it your whole life, it was no big deal, but. Uh, I remember one of my buddies was a drummer in a band, and they would work in the garage and so forth. And he says he first went and did a gig. We had to play for like two straight hours. He just thought his arms were going to fall off. <laughs> I mean, the idea of drumming for two straight hours, <clears throat> it's not easy, I guess. Oh, yeah. And until you get... Anyway, John, if you had to... Uh, I mean, everybody keeps axing me whenever we you know, go places and stuff. They say, well, Chief, what's your opinion? Are we in a recession? I, John, it is, it is totally, to me... A question of, of point of view. I mean, I, other than you know, when I when I read about it, 
the only decade I can find remotely like this is the 20s where you had huge splits in the population of the of the of the of the haves and the have-nots and the haves were doing so much better than the have-nots that they over, they overwhelmed the numbers to the point where you thought everybody was doing good and i think you know and the fed was somewhat involved they were expanding things a little bit the stock market was going up price of cars were going up and uh you know i mean i don't i don't see how you could possibly you know, you had how? What percentage of your population was in a recession or a depression? Your entire agricultural world. Yet, if you were, you know, if you were riding around New York in a Duesenberg, you were, you were. I mean, for God's sake, even even Mac could find a girlfriend driving in Duesenberg around. You know, I'm just saying. Uh, it was it was it was a totally different. And it, it strikes me that we're sort of like that now. If you look at you look at the places where everybody's got dough and they go. You look at the places packed. Prices to the roof. Nobody seems to care. Waiters and waitresses are making six hundred dollars a night. Seals and Croft is nowhere to be seen. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so I mean, you're, you're so you're, and, and yet other places. I got to believe if you're Applebee's or Denny's or those places, you got to be you got to be dying. I don't I don't see the regular person going out with a family of four and paying fifteen dollars for an omelet. But the parallel is very strong, I think, Tom and. Um, unfortunately, I mean, the, the reputation that the, the 20s has kind of in, in people's memories or in, or in pop culture or, or in, in, in films and stuff, that it was this freewheeling, happy-go-lucky, you know, pay the landlord tomorrow or whatever, you know, live for today. But it, it wasn't like that. I think for the, and most of the people that we knew or in our families, it was that for, for, for a lot of other people who would get all the booze they wanted for nothing and, and no criminal penalties or anything else. But for the average person, it was pretty tough. And, you know, prices were going through the roof. Um, they, people had the sense that they were losing ground, I think. They were not able to catch up with the people that were being touted as the trendsetters. And you can see this in the, in the movies of the time period and the, and the unbelievable wealth and frivolity. And the average person probably felt, I'd like a slice of that too, but they were getting farther and farther away from it all the time in the 20s. Well, they had the big, the, uh, I think, you know, the whole story was the the, uh, the stock stories. And, and stories can take on almost a life of their own in terms of the big lie. I mean, if I'm sure, Matt, even at your tender age, you heard the story about, the, the, uh, what's his name, uh, Rockefeller went down and the shoeshine boy in the subway station, of course, I can't imagine... It had to be Grand Central Station. I doubt if that guy was ever in the subway station. But the shoeshine boy gave him a stock tip or something along those oh, lines. Yeah. So the story was, you know, even the shoeshine boys got... Well, the fact is, I mean, I, I read a book about the crash, I mean, several actually. It said only 7% of the people in the, in the country own stock. Yet. So it wasn't like every shoeshine boy owned stock. I mean, but, but the, you know, the impression you get from some of the works is... It, it, everybody was involved in this. Everybody was buying. No, I mean, maybe everybody in New York, but I, I don't know of any of my. <laughs> you, you you know, go back on your ancestors more than I do. Did any of those people own a share of stack? I don't. I doubt it. I, I doubt it. They may have you know, little things like own oh, a, a mortgage bond or something locally. They weren't just, you know dealing in stocks at a high level. I think you know, the Scott Fitzgerald has said he was in New York. I forget in what year. It's probably like mid twenties or late twenties. 
and went in to get a haircut at the place he usually went to, and his barber started giving him all these stock tips. And that's when Fitzgerald thought something's wrong here. <laughs> not, not so much that the barber couldn't have an opinion about it, but they were all wheeler dealers. And I think all this stuff just kind of, Fitzgerald didn't know quite what to make of it. He thought something's going to happen. Well, if you went to a barber. Like dispensing information. If you went to a barber in a board of trade building, it'd be the same thing. The barber. <laughs> but. It doesn't mean if you go to the bar, Barber Evergreen Park, you're going to talk stock. No, I mean, it showed that people were dreaming, you know, really. I mean, not so much that they all had big stakes in it, but they all styled themselves as high flyers and, and thought this was kind of their, you know, prosperity was just, you know, as Hoover said, was just, you know, another so many days away. And, you know, I, I will get a piece of this. My time is, is about to come up here. And the, the, the letdown. And, and the disappointments and the, you know, the financial ruin that actually happened, that nobody, whether you were heavily invested or not, didn't really matter. Everybody took a hit. And, of course, the ones who weren't heavily invested maybe took the biggest hit because you know, their lives were transformed forever. They had to pick up and move. They couldn't live where they had lived for generations. And, you know, that, that I don't, you know, that kind of disruption because of, you know, slapping down a whole segment of the population at once, a very short time period, it could happen again, and we might be gearing up for that now too. I fear. Well, the the uh, the, the, the biggest single event I think ever in this country that brought people of various uh, classes back together was the twenty nine crash. Right. People began to see that you know, we're we're all t- going down. Well, but the other side of the coin is uh, today. Well, I'm not going to say it wouldn't hurt anybody, but if if all the savings and loans and banks closed on people's savings accounts, I don't think uh, the savings accounts are as big a chunk of people's wealth as it was in the 20s or the 30s. Because I mean, where else could you put it? Other than right, mattress. and then, of course, there were no protections offered either. So right. People didn't have much incentive to throw everything into it unless you were really desperate. Um, well, you know, some of the, the, the issue with, uh, you know, the, uh, well, this... You look at what we did in 2008 and what we did this last year or two with the COVID. And uh, I, I think of my, my reading of the Depression, I mean, and, and, well, of course, at University of Chicago, that's all anybody talked about. Because it's a monetarist school, and, and then the story was that the, uh, fe- the Fed allowed the money supply to drop by, what was it, like 20% or 25% in six months or some story, somewhere in the, I don't think it was in 29, but I think it might have been 30 or 31. But they, they allowed the money supply to drop so dramatically that that the Fed essentially, by not acting, caused the depression. Right, Jen? Is, isn't that the part? Has been that the party line for? Yes, that's the narrative. Yeah. Uh, and but I think the more I look at it, the more I say, well, you know, it's it's because seeing the the, the the I'll say the screw ups this time, and maybe even in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, you can't. They're, they're, first of all, they didn't have a mechanism for pouring that money back into the quote system. Now, Milton Friedman, I mean, I you know, think was absolutely spectacular, but I think he was wrong on a lot of things. I think this was one he was wrong on. Because people who are, are uh, unfortunately in government, uh, but certainly in academia, they don't necessarily look at people as much as you and I might. They look at the numbers. Okay, well, the system is down 20% on money supply, and you might say to yourself, well, how the hell did that happen? Well, easy. Uh, Matt, Matt Burns' great grandmother went to the bank, and she had the, the the door slammed on her nose and broke her nose, and said, "Your two grand's never coming out of here. It's gone." Well, that disappeared, right, Jen? Right. It's out of the system. 
Not to mention any loans that might have been done on it and those kinds of things. You you can you can do that in a, in a second, right? If you start losing wealth, I mean, if if this um, I, I hope it doesn't, but if this crypto totally collapses to where a month from now there's, there's like no value, it's going to take what half a trillion trillion dollars out of the system, right? In terms of money, yeah, there'll be no bailouts. Yeah, I don't think there'll be. Yeah, well, so creative, but there won't be any any protection against that. What I'm saying is if 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 Milton Friedman could have gone back to 1931, you know, put his behind on the on the, on the uh, Federal Reserve, and just found a way to inject that money back into quote the system, I think it might have helped a little bit. But unless you did it in a way where you got the money back to the people who lost it, in other words, if if uh, say Matt's great grandmother or great great grandmother lost three grand in the bank, which was you know. Fifty percent of her quote wealth, uh, unless you found a way to get in some kind of a a, a retroactive SIPIC uh, or something, or FDIC, uh, and and got her a thousand dollars back, I don't see how just putting it in the system, there would have been people who really really benefited from that, but it wouldn't have been his great grandmother, which is what we're seeing this time and what we saw in two thousand and eight, and I I would hope that our people would see that time after time and time again, but they sure don't. They, they look at the gross numbers, and they see a lot of people doing very, very well, and the market way up. The market's up 22% in two years, or maybe even more. They, I mean, all of a sudden, they, they think they, quote, solved the problem because the main numbers are back to where they're looking pretty good. But it, it's, it's not, I don't think, John, and that there's the mistake. Well, maybe it's not a mistake. Maybe they're just rewarding the people they want to reward. It's, it's clear to me now, too, that even... Th- saying, are we in a recession or not? Are we close to recession? When will we be sure if we're in a recession or not? It's all just about labels and traditional definitions that are being tweaked now in a way where they want to avoid the stigma that, yes, we are headed for a recession or we're already in it. But, you know, let's think about the numbers in a different way. And this is the way, the, you know, the White House is handling it now. That all of a sudden now two consecutive quarters with, you know, contraction of the economy is not a definition for recession, although it always has been, you know, by, you know, the powers that be. Yeah, but what's the new one? Special economics. But now, now the White House is claiming, well, we've got to look at the economy holistically, and let's look for strengths over here and forget about these problems over there. And it actually doesn't look that bad. Well, you know, that's just a way of, of manipulating the message for the upcoming election to get, you know, the label of creating a recession off the party in power's backs. And, you know, that isn't really what people care about. Most people, they know where they are. They know they're in a recession, no matter what the White House says is the definition of a recession. So it's like redefining vaccines, because the vaccines they trucked out aren't really vaccines. So the solution, in some people's eyes, was just to change the definition of right. what all vaccines should be. And that that isn't good for business either, because once you start getting rid of any kind of a historical framework for where we are, and, and you want to sub- substitute some other benchmark for it or you make it up on the spot and change it the next time around when you have to because you're getting such political blowback. That, that, well, how can you run an economy that way? Well, that's like changing the definition of whether your fats are or not if you decide to go to the, make it relative and go to the Wisconsin State Fair. Yeah. I look pretty good. <laughs> I, look, I look pretty good. I could be skinny up there. <laughs> I got to find more of these state fairs to go to. Well, here's the... Uh, uh, two definitions of uh, a recession, and uh, 
first of all, in, in astronomy, what's the definition? Oh, I don't know. Hit me. The action of the action of receding motion away from an observer. Oh, so like you know, astronomical observation. Well, so if, if man gets on his bike and gets on his bike and rides away from you, that's he's it's a recession. He's receding from you. Mm-hmm. Ah, to recede, yeah. And if yeah. your if your hairline is is going backwards, oh boy, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's a, a recession. Yes, we know what that is. That's a depression. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so a period of temporary economic decline during which trade and industrial activity are reduced, generally identified by a fall in GDP. Of two successive quarters. Now, this is an old one, all right? Now, the new one, uh, which is a massive gobbledygook. Now, here, whenever you got to go, remember one of Mike Royko's best columns in my mind was he said, if you ask somebody what they do for a living, if they can't tell you in three words, there's something really <laughs> weird about it. <laughs> Watch your pocketbook. Yeah, he's like, if somebody, well, I like consult and I do, no, no, no. He want, I want it's very simple. I build houses, I, I fix toilets, I, you know, whatever. Like garbage. <laughs> so here, you get a load of this. This is from Investopedia. And here's, here, whenever you can have uh, 200 words, when, when 10 should suffice. A recession is a macroeconomic term, refers to a significant decline in general economic ta- activity in a designated region. Has been typically recognized as two consecutive quarters of economic declines, reject- is reflected by GDP in conjunction with monthly indicators such as a rise in unemployment. However, the National Bureau of Economic Research (NBER), which officially declares recession, now you got to be official, says the two conservative quarters of decline in real GDP are not how it is defined anymore. The NBER defines a recession as a significant decline in economic activity spread across the economy, lasting more than a few months, normally visible in real GDP, real income, employment, industrial production, wholesale, for God's sake. Well, let's, let's just start fighting with the first word, Tom, macroeconomic phenomenon. How many people are going to disagree? Well, this is microeconomic. It's not macroeconomic. You can fight about that before you get to the, the other 50 qualifiers in there. It's a... It's insane, but it's it's all about it's it's not about giving anybody confidence. And this is what it just bothers the hell out of me. That it, it we need straight talk always. I mean, sometimes more than in others. But there's the only value in just fogging the issue is that some people are getting out, you know, soon enough to save their posteriors, and other people are going to be left holding the bag. And that that is, I mean, the people who have that kind of power over the narrative to make people believe a fiction or to d- delay doing something or not to demand that something be done soon uh, is to me just criminal because they're just playing with people's futures and the futures of families in the process. But nobody seems to be bothered by that kind of power anymore. So th- th- that definition will be tweaked you know, by the end of the week, I guarantee it. <laughs> well, John, if you go back in, in the history, when you know, people do nothing but rag on, on Jimmy Carter and a lot of it's deserved. Uh, but some of the stuff wasn't. I mean, uh, I don't think he and it was a very good president. I mean, I, at all. Uh, but he, he, uh, when he, they were in the same kind of situation in some ways as we are now. And it was before the election, with his election. Though it wasn't the midterm. Uh, they basically came to him and said, "Okay, we've got uh, we either, we've got to pull back on money's growth because we got this inflation all over the place." Uh, we can either do it after the election, or we can do it now, but it's liable to mean a recession. 
And he said, well, is it, is it be worse if we wait? And the answer was yes. And Jimmy Carter, for anything else about him, was a pretty straight dude. And he goes, well, I can't do that. Let's do it now. I think I'll still win, which he didn't. Um, but I don't think right now, when you got a Fed that's in, in into this mess for $9 trillion, the, the, the thought of them not being willing to extend whatever the hell it is they've done over the last four, four years for another six months or four months, I mean, you're, you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound. I mean, it's, it's not even the same debate. That, no, we absolutely have to start like this month and can't wait till November. So, I mean, the, I don't think they, they, that there's any chance that these guys are going to are going to wing us into a, uh, uh, you know, a massive type of a deal. But to look at just, the, I mean, you look at the Federal Reserve balance sheet, which I'm staring at right now, which I always stare at too much. You can say that here we are on uh, July 20th, that if you go back to June 20th, uh, we were at eight, $8,934,000. Um, on balance sheet, and now four weeks later, we're at eight trillion eight hundred ninety-five. So they're basically down to thirty-five billion that they talked about, you know, in the last couple months. Now before that, but but if you look at it, if you look at kind of sneaky, where they they pump the thing up, all right. Um, when we first started talking about this, we were what February, March. We've been talking about it forever, right? Yeah, pretty much. Well. We're we're basically at the same number as we were in February. So they 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 ran it up from eight trillion nine oh four on on March second, which is March, April, May, June, July. We're fucking five months ago, and they've been we've been talking about this. The inflation was more than apparent in March, right? Well, all the while they kept talking about it, they actually ran it up to a number of. The tip top here was eight trillion nine sixty five on April thirteenth. Right, so now we're down. We're down roughly sixty five billion dollars in May, June, July, in three months. So, depending on where you start here, if you if you forget the part where they pumped a whole bunch of stuff in before they started coming down, we're basically at the latest the same number as we were in April. So, and and anybody who thinks that these guys are are flying at this at this problem with you know a sickle, uh, really needs to look at the numbers better. I mean they're they're just not. The money supply numbers have stopped growing in in, in the last few months, so they've done something. But uh, I don't think I don't think they've even defined anybody. Are they are they are they just going to stop the growth here? Which actually Russell thinks they should do, and then maybe even I think they should do. But you 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 slapped a word a world of hurt on people. And if all of a sudden none of these prices are ever coming, you're going to get gas prices come down a little bit because there was an outlier. But I don't, I don't see these rents going back down. And you just, you've got rents on people who've gone from fifteen hundred a month to twenty five hundred in the same apartment in the last three years. And I guarantee you that their, that their, that their uh, salary is not up. What is that? Sixty percent? Sixty five? Oh heck no! So I mean, you now are we just going to leave it at this level? What are we doing? I, mean, I don't think they have any idea of the, of the. The amount of hurt they put on people, and, and and but to just maybe I actually agree, Jan. We just we just stop right here, and then and we let the money supply growth go down, and let the numbers work through the system, and that that may in fact be the solution, is to try and all of a sudden you know pull the money supply back by ten percent and trying to retrace our steps. I think that'd be almost as bad. I, I don't know. I've never. I, I mean, I've never seen anything like this. There's there's pain either way, you know. And some of the 
say people suffer, I think. It, is, it isn't like there's a clear path here, because we've gotten too habituated to this this culture of just you know, printing money as needed and inventing reasons why we need to, to print it, pretty much. When you look at the lockdowns and everything else, I mean, to me it was just, you know, a, a bad decision creating a whole string of other bad decisions following it, but you're just gogging the economy now for how, how many more years before any of this stuff gets worked out. And, and it, w- the worst thing, I think, Tom, is that our, our thinking has been altered in a way that, that makes us less resilient or maybe less inventive or creative the next time around because we, we built too many you know, disasters into the, you know, how we got here. And it's hard to say which ones we have to you know, go back on or rethink. And, and we're afraid to do a lot of things, afraid to, afraid to do almost anything in a way for fear that we've, we've just created something that's at a tipping point. But, you know, it, 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 there's, there will always be that risk. If, if, if doing nothing or doing more of what you used to do or doing something completely the opposite. And, you know, as you say, Carter paid a huge political price for, t- for taking a tough decision when he did. It didn't get him any points with voters or with his place in history. But, you know... Who who is prepared to do anything like that today? Nobody. Nobody at all. And and the the problem, I guess, isn't that whether we should do that or not, but be, the fact that it's not even being discussed as something we should consider doing. Well, Jan, also we will talk about it on Thursday. Is that uh, when you now we have this supply problem? You know, we don't have much time here, but we've got we got the supply problem, and now we have literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of factories in this country, or, or you know, small parts suppliers, small whatever, that all need to tune their way up and, and actually start filling some of these gaps, right? Especially if we're not going to let China back in the picture to the extent they were. Well, now all of a sudden you've got the chip makers and other people saying, well, I can't do this without a huge check for government to get me started. Well, if you and I decided to do a factory, we're not going to get that check. So now are we, are we going to have the situation going forward that if you're big enough... The government's not only going to let you borrow at 3%, they're going to give you money on top of it to compete yeah, with yeah. people. I mean, that's, okay. not, yeah. that's not a direction we want to go, I don't think. And we'll talk more about it on Thursday, but SP Futures is only up 16 now. They were up 20-something, but still up. NASDAQ Futures up 43. Be right back. Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. 
We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate this summer, could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Hello, I'm Bank Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Alma, Smith, Burn on the board. SP Futures up back up to 18. We're just only up 16. We're bouncing back up here. We've been up all morning. NASDAQ Futures up 44. Dow Futures up 167. Individual stocks in the Dow, Goldman Sachs up 256. We've got Caterpillar up 43. Uh, Triple M up 86 cents. We've got Honeywell up 123. So everybody's pretty much up along the way here. Uh, uh, Microsoft up $1.28. Travelers up 282. So. A bullish start to the morning. And Friday was a was a down day, but we still are up pretty heavy for July. So unless we have some kind of a crazy week this week, it looks like July is going to be a decent month. Having said that, I don't want to jinx us. Nikkei down 215.8 percent. Shanghai down 19.6 percent. Hang Seng down 46.2. Um, down over there, but not not horrible. Not uh, certainly they've been volatile, and this is one of the down days. Friday Dow was down 137. S&P down 37. Nasdaq down. 225. The Nasdaq was leading the pack up all week, so they gave a 2% return on Friday, but still, like I said, it was a, it was a big week. Over in uh, Europe, we got the DAX up 40.3%, uh, FTSE up 16.2%, kick around up 35.6%, so mild to the upside over there. Bonds up 4 basis points, but 282, a long way from that 3% number, a long way from the 4% number, even longer. A bond up 4 basis points, 1.06, Japan down 1 to 0.22. Uh, oil and check out the spread here between Brent and fr- and uh, uh, West Texas. West Texas up a dollar fifty one to ninety six twenty one. Brent up a dollar twenty eight to one hundred four forty eight. We've seen this almost become even once in a while, but that's a that's a solid eight dollars and thirty cents here. That's a lot. Uh, nat- uh, natural gas up fourteen cents eight forty four. Was nine thirty down to six seventy. Now it's eight forty four. I mean this thing has gone crazy between. Mid sixes and almost the mid nines here. I've never seen that happen ever. Our Bob up five cents, three twenty-seven. We've got gold down three forty, seventeen twenty-four. Silver down uh, ten cents uh, to eighteen fifty-one. Dollar up two. Uh, I'm sorry, copper up two cents, three thirty-seven. 
The dollar is, and the euro dollar is up uh, 0.24 to 102.38, so the dollar is actually down today. And we've got Bitcoin down 827, 21,918. It tries to hang in here while the industry puts itself back together before it collapses. Maybe they'll get a chance to put themselves together, hopefully. Matt, what do you have for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Good morning. Uh, currently 7.36 a.m. on Monday, July 25th, 2022. Uh, sports over the weekend, uh, yesterday, Sunday, uh, Cubs took on Phillies. Cubs win 4-3. White Sox home again against Guardians. Sox win 6-2-3. Diamondbacks against Washington. Washington wins 4-2-3. Now for weather in Chicago. Currently in Chicago, mostly cloudy. Uh, oh, uh, a little scattered clouds there. 68 degrees, a high of 79, and a low of 67. Uh, worth mentioning, the AQ that's the uh, air quality index that's the uh, measures the amount of uh, pollutant in the air is at 13 uh, that's very very low compared to uh, on Saturday where it was 59 and Sunday at 26 I tell you that because I could see uh, the city skyline all the way out in the suburbs so yeah if uh, air right now crystal clear good good time to go out and uh, uh, exercise if, if you got the time uh, in Phoenix uh, cloudy uh, 83 degrees a high of 99 and a low of 83 uh, keep in mind there an alert uh, there is an aerial flood watch in effect for that area uh, now for traffic in Chicago traffic uh, eastbound on the Eisenhower between uh, 17th Avenue to downtown traffic westbound on the Eisenhower between Central Road uh, Central Avenue uh, to First Avenue uh, light traffic eastbound on the Kennedy between Cumberland Avenue to downtown traffic westbound on the Kennedy between Lawrence Avenue and Harlem Avenue, as well as that traffic westbound on the Dan Ryan between South LaSalle Street and to the downtown Jane Bird Interchange, uh, and finally, uh, heavy traffic northbound on the Stevenson between Route 171 to South Kedzie Avenue. That's all we got, Chief. Back to you. Well, you forgot about the uh, the minor flood action that displays River and Lions going on. Oh, that that must have been caused by the uh, the, the storms we had on Saturday. The storms will do that. Yeah. yeah. Everybody else is everybody flood, else is all right. Do we have yeah, Audrey? A big floodplain there. Yes, you do. How are you? Good morning. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. It's a beautiful day out there today. Well, yesterday was like... As Matt was saying, you could actually uh, go out and enjoy the morning. Oh, yeah. Well, yesterday it felt like we were in like New Orleans or St. Louis or someplace. It was bad. Yeah. Typical Chicago summer, hot and humid. Um, in six yeah. months, we'll all be complaining that it's cold out. Mm. Uh, we, yeah, but we do that because we just like to complain. Well... Some people do. There are some people that are just the whiners. Remember that, remember that group on, this, on Saturday Night Live, the whiners? They were terrific. The yeah, okay. very appropriate for some parts of today's society, but oh. that's too early for all that. <laughs> too early for all that. Um, hey, uh, I was just, you know, we were talking the other night, uh, you and I and uh, the lovely calf, talking about the uh, some of the inflation is how it's infecting, infecting or rolling its way through the, uh, the remodeling business. And... Uh, you were mentioning a while ago, and um, Odd does a lot of stuff where it's not there. The people, I guess you wouldn't really, uh, I guess I'd call them light remodelers. Audrey, I mean, you, Audrey deals in a lot of, uh, let's put it this way, in the southwest side and other places, there's a lot of condos that are, let's say they're, what, 20, 25 years old, where people bought the places, they paid some number, and, and they were well done units and the people enjoyed their life there and and now they're they're looking to sell either moving to someplace smaller or maybe maybe they're not even here anymore who knows but uh there's nothing wrong with anything it's just never been updated it's just it's just been used right is that a black of a i mean the kitchen's the same oh, the bathrooms are, dated a lot of people uh no matter where you live either are happy with their home or uh don't have the resources 
board would rather spend those resources elsewhere than um, updating a home. So nowadays, uh, as we've discussed many times before, people want a home that is moving ready and current to today's tastes and fashion. Um, and they basically expect that. If you don't provide that nowadays, the uh, market price will definitely be affected by that. So, yeah, you have to, what we call as a business, refresh the units to put it on the market. Well, and there are people that are willing to, we're not talking about if it's for the condo, like tearing a whole place down on roofs and everything. We're talking about kitchens, baths, be fixing the hardwood floors or putting in hardwood floors, painting it. And there, there was there was sort of a standard cost to that. And you had, I'm going to say, two, three, four groups of people, guys and women, who would compete essentially for that business. So the place that fixed up is worth 200 grand as is, hasn't been touched for 25 years, is worth 160. They buy it, they fix it up for 20, and they sell it for 200, and everybody's happy. The person who you know sold it, they're happy, they don't have to do anything. You're happy, <laughs> and the people who did it are happy. And you're saying a lot of those people, the, the 20 has become 35, and the risk is too great. They're not going to do that for five grand. And it's the, the industry is kind of, the whole group is kind of uh, sliding away here for a while. Is that still going on, you think? Well, the, the, what's happening right now is there is still an extreme shortage of inventory uh, in our area, and pretty much throughout the Chicago area, uh, the, the suburban areas. So right now, yes, you've got high interest rates, almost double from what they were a year ago, still below the norm. Uh, people was 8% for many, many years. Of course, it went up, it went down, but... This is sticker shock to many people, especially millennials who only remember interest rates at 3 4 5%. So the combination of the interest rates and low inventory, there is still a demand for houses now that can't be fixed, but the market is still getting, is still picky. They want a move-in ready house simply because it's easier. And most people do not have the skills to do it themselves. The people who have are very lucky that uh, to do the carpentry, remodeling, painting, flooring, things that they need to do. So if, you know, if, if they will pay up to have it done because they don't have the money or time or skills to do it themselves. Well, you so want- if it doesn't have that, to your point, it's going to sit on the market, you're going to get less money. So therefore, there's a small, there's a group of a lot of people who have Teams of people, I have some, I have a lot of wonderful tradespeople I depend on and never let me down, to do this, to help homeowners maximize the profit. It's still there. You could still, you have to shop wisely, choose wisely, your finished is, you're not going to go over the top, you're going to make something, a good solid product, and sell it, and hopefully put some money in your pocket. You have to do it the right way, with the right people, and on time. It can't be something that drags out forever. You have to be able to... Uh, make sure that people will deliver your your repairs in a timely manner and on budget. Well, also, uh, isn't it? Uh, I mean, uh, Nancy was talking last week about as the, as the rents have gone up, she's managed to put some people in a in a in a house or an apartment or I want to say an apartment a condo for you know you, you can borrow out of your out of your IRA. Put somebody in there, and, it, and, the, and the mortgage is way less than the rent would be, which obviously is not a bad deal for somebody. 
but but that person there's no way if, if you're if you're struggling to make the down payment you'd rather have the apartment or the condo or the house be 15 20 grand more and not have to do anything with it then all of a sudden close and the first thing you have to do is you pony up to 20 grand and I'll fill the pl- nobody, nobody has that kind of savings and nobody wants I mean, I mean you know in my day when, it, when the places were cheaper I mean I, I, I just wanted it as is and then I, I would fix it myself and then try and sell it I mean I was a, a half-ass flipper back in the 70s but now nobody wants that I mean you, you want every every little penny that, that the place you want it all done so your only payment is that mortgage right that's what people would prefer. Yes, definitely. And you know, because I mean, you don't you don't see a whole lot of people if they put forty grand down, they have another sixty, especially if they're younger people, another sixty to put the new kitchen in afterward, right? I mean, that's not what they want to do. Yeah, that is. Or you know, if you have to pick and choose your battles, and what uh, people nowadays don't like to do is wait. They want everything right away. Well, if you can pick your battles and say, "Wow." This year we're going to uh, put in uh, a new kitchen countertop and a new sink with new appliances. And then maybe where you're going to wait another year and save your money and say, you know what, we're going to do the bathroom. Um, that type of waiting is something that's not common nowadays. People want things right away just like HGTV, but you have to have the money to do that happen. But if you have some patience, uh, you can probably... Save yourself a lot of money, do it on time, get a better investment, do things the way you want. So there's a different way of looking at it. You could custom make your home, whether it's a single family condo townhome, to your specifications with the little patient and maybe learn something along the way, learn some valuable skills also, and hire some. Watch how people do things. Learn to do some things yourself. You can learn almost anything from YouTube nowadays. So sometimes it's it's not a bad thing if people are struggling, if the place is livable, if you can get in somewhere, fix it up, and then gain also some equity. Well, the only, th- the only thing <laughs> about that, Rod, is I, when I was doing this long before I met you, I was doing this stuff when I was out of grad school and so forth, and I was still living with my family. I was, of course, unlike people today, I paid rent. Uh, <laughs> you know, my mom would never have me, have me there without paying her rent. Uh, but I, I remodeled two, three places where I would, you know, leave where I lived, went there and remodeled a couple nights a week and then all day Saturday, Sunday. I didn't mind that at all, really. But the first time I tried to re- remodel a place where I lived there, God, does that suck? <laughs> that's, that, that, that's not what you want to have happen to live in a place when you're doing a six month remodeling project. You just really get tired of no kitchen, no bathroom, and <laughs> dust all over the place. I mean, I can see why these people don't want to do that. It's not just because they're millennials. Well, I could see it. Nobody wants to do anything like that, but sometimes you got to do what you got to do to make it happen for the future, too. Well, that's true. That is the truth. What, uh, when you're younger, you're more flexible than we are now, looking at it that way, too. Well, that's true. Uh, in many ways. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what would you say the state? I don't your your area. When you talk about your area, uh, you always talk about how it's okay. It's not crazy on the prices and everything. But your your place never got that crazy. You you never they never went way to hell up like other places. Being a little bit more than they were, they never really went down all that much either. I mean somewhat. But 
when you say your area has, has been pretty steady, I mean it is. But other areas, have, have you heard stories where you know people were buying stuff eight months a year ago, and all of a sudden, the, if you really wanted, to, if you had to sell it tomorrow, you're 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 going less. I mean, one of the guys I work with at uh, one of the firms I deal with, he's in Carolina, and he said that all this, you know every house was you know 15 bids over the price, and all of a sudden one person lowered their price, and everybody's lowered every, everything on the market 50 grand. Is that's the, is that ever going to happen here? I don't, I don't, or do, I don't think it got pumped up as much here. And if it does happen, sure. well, I think now are you talking about from 2008? No, I mean in the last few years, some of this stuff got pumped up some. What well, in, in your area? You go all the way back to 2008. I mean, in other words, if if there is a correction of some kind here, and the uh, uh, interest rates go even higher, I mean, some people that I talk to, some of my clients around the country. They're worried about a you know thirty percent housing correction in those areas. I don't see that in your area, do you? I see maybe ten or eight or five percent. Well, you know, see, no, you're, you, we have had a huge, huge run up here. Uh, it's been a, a massive run up in the last three years. So we uh, that is everywhere, Tom. Everything has run up dramatically, and uh, Orland was appreciating that. Uh, 18%, 20%, 22% each year. So there's been a, it's just as that, for example, there's, we participated as much as anybody else. Um, it's been far more, I believe, than uh, the city has. So our areas have done, done great, and people have gotten back into past the 2008 thing. So that is over. So we have done as well as the rest of the country in the, uh, all of the metro area, I pretty much believe. So, I don't think, simply also, though, because so many people are still looking, and even though people find it hard to stomach, 6% is still not a horrible price. Does it narrow what most people can buy? Yes, because 3% to 6% is a substantially double your interest rate. So is it still affordable for a lot of people? Yes. Has it cut some people on the market? Or you have to buy less house. So yeah, that's still there. Do I see a big downturn? No, I don't. Uh, at least not in the foreseeable future. But what you are seeing the downtown in downtown downturn in is houses that are not market ready. If you have a good product, like anything else, it sells. If you have a mediocre or a very distressed property, expect to knock that price down. What uh, I just read last month, uh, last actually last Thursday, I I, talk, I mentioned like a month ago that the median price countrywide had gone up to four oh six. And um, now last Hello? last month, though, they they claim they claim it's four sixteen. Hello. Well, I mean uh, that's so far. Beyond the, the 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 median family being able to afford it, it's scary. It's almost like 2007, maybe worse. Hey Tom, can you ask uh, that to boost my volume a little bit? Yeah. I seem to be losing. Um, I, I'll just I'll talk further into I'll, I'll, I'll talk louder. The uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm saying that the 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 median of that point. I mean, it's I mean I'll I'll, I'll get this thing up here, but um, you, you really can't. At four sixteen, you're, you're getting a lot of people. You either get people that have, that have bought other places, or I mean, have sold other places, so they have cash come from another spot, or you have a lot of younger couples that have 
actually worked, maybe been married for a couple of years and actually saved their dough, you get, you know, you get a pretty good cl- class of people. But generally, do you think the country can afford a median house of four sixteen? You know, it, what a lot of people can, a lot of people can't. But what you're also seeing is, is that a lot of these people who are buying in the fours, it's not their first house. Right. So you also have taking people who have participated in this price rally and taking those gains plus their equity and have easily been able to buy that house. When people say, oh, that's the median, you're, you're saying that you're thinking, makes people think that that's the first house everybody's buying. Well, it's most likely not. Somebody's buying a condo or a home probably in the two, three hundreds. So you're buying zero. This is a lot of that is all move up buyers also. Well, I'm, I'm trying to say in a non-trader parlance, but I would understand because she used to be a trader. Uh, actually, she's still a, a rep at, at PTI. Uh, is when mo- most of your clients... I won't say they're they're oblivious to the price, but they're, nobody's oblivious to the price. But you, you've got a lot of people trade, so you sell their their the one place at a nice price, and they say, okay, I've got two bathrooms, I need three, I need another bedroom. I'm selling this place at three fifty, and I'm buying the next place at four hundred. It's worth the fifty thousand. It almost doesn't matter to me what the price is. It's almost like an option spread, right? Where and, and, yeah. and you you're you're fortunate enough. When I say fortunate enough. I'm doing it a while and have a lot of people and does good work, you're fortunate enough to have a lot of your people are in, quote, that class. And I think you work a lot with Nancy, and the two of you are smart enough to not have people, don't worry, uh, buy this one and, and, and we'll sell yours, don't worry. You, you don't have people that are caught, because I remember, boy, in, in, uh, in 2000, more so than even, uh, or certainly, in the, in, the, in the well, 2000 was probably worse. Uh, in 2008, I mean, the Resolution Trust, we, the last thing you want to do is be caught with two properties. But, I mean, you guys are, are, have been pretty good about not letting that happen and not, and not letting people do that. Uh, but do you think it's gonna, we're going to have one of those days where nobody wants to be caught with two properties, at least for a while? I don't think people are caught with two properties very much nowadays. Very few people are willing to take that risk. People do remember that. I don't know if uh, anybody who really wants to put their client right now in that situation no matter how badly you want a house and yes can you when the market's hot you can't you cannot buy a house contingent upon sale because there are simply too many offers multiple offers with people who either were non-contingent already approved or paying cash so you would have to take the chance of selling your house hoping you could find one or live with friends or relatives until you were able to to purchase that house, and a lot of people did do that. They sold their house, took their money, and then it took them a while, possibly to find a house that within their you know thirty to sixty day financing term before they closed, they had a backup plan where they could go live until they could find the home they wanted. So you're saying the mechanism now, and just the, the lack of properties for sale, are, are almost forcing people to be intelligent and sell theirs first. Well, I think people do remember uh, how horrible that was for a lot of people. Uh, some people work for perfectly, and I did it myself with clients when things were going great. You sell yours, you bought one. But the problem is we just don't have that inventory uh, that it was easy to do. So you have to do what's always best for your client. And you don't want to put them in a precarious situation uh, 
that would make their life absolutely miserable. Yeah, I mean, I, from what I remember, certainly back in the, the Volcker years, though, it was a long time ago, and I, I don't expect other people to remember that. I mean, I honestly don't. But the, the message from from back then, and you remember it a little bit, uh, is that these changes we talk about, you know, and, and from experience, it's not so much the change. I think everybody can, I think, understand what I'm talking about and what you talk about when you say, if you go from a 3% to an 8% mortgage or something, how how uh, you know that can cause a real problem but but what the young people now hear and you know I say young anybody who's under 40 really who has never been through something like this uh, what what you hear is I'm, the the message is always somehow I'm always gonna get a chance to react and don't worry I'll figure it out it'll be okay I'll realize when this is happening but the thing I and I know I cannot get this message across uh, and to you I can because you were you remember it when it happened during the the Volcker era. It happened so fast you never had a chance. I mean, uh, Robin and I had a had a, a uh, what do you call a, a loan where it just goes up and down with the price a bridge loan. We had a bridge loan for one of our places. A variable rate. Yeah, we were like something over prime or something because Robin was you know assistant treasurer Pullman to all the people at Continental Bank, so we got a loan nobody else could ever get. <laughs> I was so happy to have pay have to pay the the couple of grand even then for closing costs on a place I know I wanted to sell in six months. I was so happy to get this. I think oh, I did, and in, in, in I think we got this loan in November. By the time we finally off the place the next July, we had gone from eight and a half to fourteen in like seven months. I mean, the the if all of a sudden these numbers don't get any better, and the the hue and cry in Washington is you better do something like fast. And the Fed starts doing like one percent a month, and all of a sudden mortgage rates are like ten. People are going to say, "How could it?" Nobody, nobody thinks now that it it can happen that fast. It's, I think they understand what you and I talk about of what can happen. I don't think they realize if it happens really fast, the shock to the system. And let's hope that we don't go there. But at least people should be somewhat aware. I mean, we're we're at one and a half percent here. We're, in, we're at an inflation rate of twelve. I mean, if all of a sudden somebody says we're getting serious about this. I mean, that rate, interest rates could be like seven in, in six months. That's what they were back in our day, right? I mean, uh, yeah. so I mean, I don't, I don't think in the, in the normal course of events, at least your clients and the stuff you're doing, I don't really see much that much danger here. I'm just saying, just if it gets crazy where people in Washington panic, there's always danger, right? I mean, it's danger that you don't even realize. Well, yeah, and I think that I don't think personally this raising uh, and raise, the raising of interest rate. That might be their solution, but it sends a shockwave through the entire. It's right start in the housing market. So as soon as you've got, it goes in the ripple effect. The people, the real estate agents, the mortgage brokers. I know several mortgage companies are already uh, letting people go. They're like, we're not busy. We don't need you. So there go some people uh, unemployed. Then the real estate agent market slows down. Then the Home Depots, the Lowe's, Menards of the world stop selling stuff to get people to fix their houses up because people are afraid to spend their money. And now that that goes down, more people are unemployed. The contractors are unemployed. And bam, here we are in a huge recession. Everybody's unemployed. Well, let's hope we don't go there. I just That's why you have to be... We already to, are going there. I think that's we, the problem. I think we sort of already are. I mean, unfortunately, we already are in the recession. I don't care if people don't want to call it that. People are struggling. 
the gas is crazy, food is crazy, the two things that everybody needs to get by. Well, you know, we're in a horrible situation, and I don't think uh, them boosting that interest rate is really going to uh, help. It's going to hurt more people and the economy, the general economy, than it possibly could help. Well, the good news is we got it. We found a good Irish restaurant. Aren't you happy? I took you to an Irish restaurant. Yeah, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't bad. <laughs> anyway, well, thank you very much. Um, have a nice week. Macam Dead S&P futures up 13. As if you, oh, by the way, what's your what's your market call this week? All kinds of stuff going on. GDP, the Fed, everything. What do you? And by next Monday, what do you think? You probably Nancy had instead of you, but up or down? Uh, when are they coming out with the Fed announcement? Uh, they're, they're Wednesday. We're going down. You know, you know what they Alan? They raised the dead, We're going down. You know, you know what Alan found out about the, like the last was the, that was the last meeting of the meeting before their two day meetings. I think he. Somehow he dug into the minutes. The meeting was 65 minutes long. That was it for two days. They already know what they're going to do. Yeah, but why do you have a two-day meeting that lasts an hour, right? Why don't you show up on Wednesday? I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> have, have a good week. Take care of yourself. SBB is up 13. NASDAQ is up 26. Matt, thank you very much. No Back problem. tomorrow, Stacks and Jacks. Bye-bye. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. Thank you, sir.